Good evening, good evening. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and this is episode two. And today we're going to take a look at Psalm 106. Probably not all of it because it's it's long. It's a good one. It's one of my favorite psalms um, in the Bible. It is definitely a good one. And I wanted to go over just a few of the verses and really dive into its meaning because it really matters what we look at and what we dive into, what we comprehend and what we know. So let's go ahead and get started on this. So it says, "Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation." and join your inheritance in giving praise. I'm going to stop there and I wanted to make a note of something. Typically what I do in my Bible is I underline the words that jump out at me. So the first word that jumped out at me this go around with reading this and again I'm reading from the New International Version, the Leadership Bible. I'm going to make a note that I stopped right there. Okay, so the first word that jumped out at me is endures. That is a very interesting word. And I'm going to look up the definition, so hold on just a moment. Okay, so I looked up the full definition of endure. And the first definition says to continue in the same state. The second definition says to remain firm under suffering or misfortune without yielding. What I what I like about the way this is worded with this translation is that When you look at what it says his love endures forever. So when you think about the love of God, it's it's not going to stop. It's without yielding. It's going to continue at a constant state. And I look at it this way, how many relationships do you have in your life that are enduring? That are are that are good and true and there for you always never fading never altering um just a really good strong relationship good strong relationships in terms of with people can be hard to find and when you find one they are very much worth the wait and what i love about our relationship with god is that if we want to be in fellowship with him we can be in fellowship with him and we can be in fellowship with him all the days of our life and that's truly what he wants for us but what is really good about our heavenly father is that he he's a good father and his love is never fading it's it it's never fleeting and i don't know of very many situations in my life where i felt love like that That's not to say that when someone loves you that's not good enough. That's not what I'm trying to say here what this is saying. It's saying that God's love is number 1 and we are number 1 to him because he created us and he loves us always and forever. That's what jumps out at me with that verse. Goes on to say, "Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord?" What I love about that is the mighty acts of the Lord. 
You know, when we look at scripture, especially the Old Testament, we see time and time again signs and wonders that our heavenly Father performed to release his people, the Israelites, the Hebrews from the horrible grip of slavery from Pharaoh. And that's how loving our heavenly Father is. If he has to do something outrageously good, you know, just phenomenal to get our attention or to save us, he will do it. I look at it this way. Whenever the Lord acts, it's not in a weak or cowardice or inferior way. Our heavenly Father is a mighty heavenly Father. He is the one true God. And we know that not only just from the Bible, but from other accounts of his mighty deeds. Like sometimes people forget that historically speaking, there were other theologians and other historical writers way back in the day in biblical times. So, you know, there were other accounts and other eyewitnesses and some of that stuff was not included in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that it's not there and that other people did not see the mighty acts of God. Because what you need to remember is that the entire planet heard about God and what he did to Pharaoh and he got Pharaoh to release his people. Because you have to remember that Egypt was a very powerful nation back then. Very 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 powerful. It would have been considered what we think of as a world power. Probably a first world power. And for them to be defeated, it took almighty God to defeat Pharaoh and to defeat Egypt as a nation, as a country and as a ruler. And God was willing to do that because nothing was going to stand between him and his people because he loves his people. That's how much God loves you and me. He's willing to part the Red Sea. He's willing to show up other people, especially people that may act like a pharaoh and be like, "Hey, you need to be humbled. These are my people. It's not okay for you to hurt them." Our heavenly father is just that. He's a heavenly father. He's not a earthly father. He's a heavenly father, meaning He loves us all the days of our life. He knew us before we were born and he wants us to go to heaven. He wants everything to be good no matter what. Cuz sometimes people are fickle. Whether we like it or not, it doesn't matter what relationship it is. You know, if it's you know, if you're at work and you don't have that great of a boss, first of all, always pray for your boss. That's an excellent prayer. But a lot of the relationships we have I kind of feel like sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of people. And I think if we lower our expectations of people and we go to God with our expectations, we will be way happier. Because when you go to God, you you expect how how to describe it, but it's like you you expect the best because you know he's the best. And I don't mean expect like well I expect good things. It's not that kind of attitude. It's It's you long to be in his presence because you know that he's good. You know, it's one of those books, I can't remember the title. It's 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 expect a blessing every day or expect a miracle every day. That doesn't mean that you're arrogant or pompous or that you're trying to tell God what to do. You know, actually what you're doing is you're practicing your faith and you're utilizing your faith the way you're supposed to. Because if you're walking in the favor of God, If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you are blessed. You're walking in the favor of God. So if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, 
then naturally you can expect good things to happen to you. It's not just luck. It's not random. It's the blessing of God. So when you know that God wants to bless you, then then it really shouldn't surprise you when your life is going really great. It should be, oh, I'm so glad my life is going great. I'm so thankful. Like I expect this miracle, but I'm so thankful that it's come to pass. See, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, whenever women were pregnant back in the day, they used to call them um how do I word this? an expectant mother. It wasn't considered cocky or arrogant for a woman to say I'm expecting, you know, my child, you know, it it wasn't considered arrogant for a man to say, well, my wife is expecting. It was actually a compliment. It was, you know, I'm expecting this joy. I'm looking forward to it. It's the same thing here when, you know, when we proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord, we're acknowledging what he's done for us and what he's done for our ancestors in times past. And it's because we have that knowledge that we know that we can expect good things in our life every day of our life regardless of what happens. Because, you know, would you rather prepare for the best or prepare for the worst? See, my previous lifestyle before I gave my life to Christ was I was expecting the worst but hoping for the best. And you know what? I never got the best because I was always preparing for the worst. when i flip that coin and i decide to prepare for the best expect the best guess what my life greatly got better because i was looking basically at the glass half full not half empty because a lot of times the battle is in your mind and also the seeds that you have allowed to plant there and to grow there and to take root The number one thing that should take root in our mind and our heart and our soul is God's holy word because God's holy word will never lead you astray because you will find the truth and it will set you free. And it goes on to say, "Blessed are those who act justly or blessed are those who act justly who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them." that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise the things that i just underlined right now that jumped out at me was favor to your people come to my aid that i may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones so here's the thing Sometimes there's this mistake and I do mean mistake in Christianity that some people think that favor doesn't exist for God's people when obviously it does because it's right here in God's holy word. God favors his people why? Because we're his people. You know, God's not going to favor hateful people or evil people. That that that's not how favor works. Favor is is what applies to you when you are walking in the covenant and the goodness of God because you're choosing to do right. God's not going to reward someone that's bad. Favor rests on God's chosen people which is who is you and me when we give our lives to Christ and we want to walk in his ways. That favor then is bestowed upon us from our heavenly Father because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. I don't know why anyone 
would turn away the favor of God. I think sometimes people have a negative opinion of money, and what they don't understand that is that money is a tool given to us by God to help us purchase the things that we need. You know, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. There's a big difference in those things. Because money is just currency. It's the currency of whatever country you're living in. So if you live in the United States, the currency here is the US dollar. If you live in Great Britain, the currency there is the British pound and or the euro, which personally I would not utilize the euro because it's inferior currency and it's incredibly weak most of the time because you're having to rely on other countries to be honest about their banking system and their and their national debt. And some countries are not always very honest about that and two of them are Belgium and Greece unfortunately so you know you you can't put your faith in money money is used to purchase things god gives us that opportunity to purchase the things that we need like if you want a car and you don't have a car then by all means you should be asking god for a car because that's what you need And you know my my personal opinion about that is why wouldn't your heavenly father want to give you a car especially if you need it get to and from work I think sometimes people when they take Christianity way too extreme and they only want to read like extremely stern verses in the bible and they just pull them out of context and they they're not reading the entire bible they're not reading the entire chapter that's around that verse they're not understanding and believing in the goodness of God because if you don't believe in the goodness of God then by all means you're going to think that money is evil you shouldn't have anything and you're going to look down on people who do have things who do have possessions it's not wrong to have possessions if it was if if wealth was wrong if God had a problem with wealth king david would not have been wealthy and king solomon would not have been wealthy god would not have blessed them money was not the problem in their kingdom it was lack of relationship and fellowship with god is what happened falling out of grace with god is what happened they made some decisions that were not always the best and that can happen in our life that's why our decision making is so important And that's why it says blessed are those who act justly who always do what is right. Now what are the odds of you and me always doing what is right? Pretty rare. Cuz perfection is not really correct or feasible I would say. But what God is calling us to do is to do our best. He knows we're going to fail sometimes. He knows we're he knows that we're human and we have free will. but he's not calling for perfection he calls us sons and daughters in his holy family that means he accepts us and loves us for who we are because we were created in his image but that doesn't mean that he accepts and is okay with every bad thing we've ever done or ever will do he wants us to be responsible And he wants us to try at all costs to avoid committing any kind of sin. But if we do sin, to have a repentant heart, run to God, not not run away from God. Because if you run to God, 
then in fact you are acting justly and you're doing what is right even though you may have failed you're doing what is right by going back to your heavenly father and seeking his advice and seeking his forgiveness the way that you're acting unjustly and wrongly is by not giving yourself a chance to be held accountable to God for what you did because God knows we're not perfect i mean we fell from grace back in the garden of eden but that doesn't mean that we're lower than dirt and should be treated like worms and we shouldn't think of ourselves as just a nobody because we are all a somebody we are all unique wonderfully and beautifully made because we're made in the image of God and that's not something to ever be thrown away don't ever throw away your uniqueness and how God created you and what he's called you to do because if you throw that away by thinking that you're no good and you'll never amount to anything then you're throwing away your destiny and you're throwing away the calling that God has on your life to have a good life and technically when when you're throwing away your calling on your life that God has given you you're throwing away his favor upon your life don't ever do that because God's favor is there for you and for me when we are believers in Christ Jesus because that's how loving and kind our heavenly father is He doesn't push us away. He calls us into his holy family to be loved and cherished always, all the days of our life and beyond our death when we go to heaven. Because that's the ultimate goal is to go to heaven when we pass away. So then let's go on to come to my aid. I can't tell you how many times I've had situations where I have prayed such strong prayers where I was possibly in a fearful situation. and i just wanted my heavenly father to come to my aid because i didn't know what else to do and god always finds a way to help me always 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 so regardless of your situation don't be afraid to say come to my aid cuz i think sometimes as americans we're we're hard on ourselves we think that we have to have it all figured out when we don't you know this may come as a news flash but It's not our job to have it all figured out because even within our lifetime, even when we die, up until the moment we die, we will never have it all figured out. Our questions will be answered once we get to heaven, but it's not our job to have it all figured out. So live in the peace of God, not in the stress of burden. The next thing that got my attention was that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones. So when you are in the holy family of God, when you give your life to Christ, you are one of the chosen ones. And that that makes you truly special and even more unique than before. And because you're in his family, you can enjoy prosperity from your heavenly Father. I think the word prosperity has been misused and because some people have a hatred of money, And I think what it comes down to is they're jealous of people that have money or they don't like the quote unquote prosperity gospel. And that um is popular, but there there is a a rightness to it. You know, because prosperity does come from God. It's not by accident and prosperity certainly does not come from the devil because why would he will be good to anyone? He hates us because God loves us. So I'm looking up the definition of prosperity uh from Merriam-Webster because I think it's good to look up words even if we think we know what they mean 
Like I can use the word prosperity in a sentence, but if I had to give you the full definition, I might be a little stumped. Like I'd probably be hemming and hawing. But I think it's good to look up these words and really realize what is their full meaning because these full meanings apply to our lives in Christ Jesus. So the full definition of prosperity is the condition of being successful or thriving, especially economic well-being. And then another thing that I like to do is I like to look at the synonyms. So let me see if it will list the synonyms here. Okay, so some of these synonyms associate with prosperity and synonym again means that it's a very similar definition. It's a very similar meaning to this word. So for example, if you're trying to write a thesis or a paper of some sort and you're in college or high school and you're trying to find new words to use to describe something but have a similar meaning this is a great tool to use use a thesaurus you can look them up online or you can order one i have a thesaurus that i use that i purchased online from amazon it's not my favorite one but it is still a good one my favorite thesaurus are the ones that are written from the 1960s or 1950s and back because they have really great words in there so let's take a look at the synonyms for prosperity they are abundance affluence success assets capital fortune means opulence riches substance wealth worth fitness health healthiness robustness soundness wellness wholeness and wholesomeness so right here in the holy word it got in the holy word of god it says that i may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones god wants us to be prosperous there's no doubt in that and you know, i personally don't see anything wrong in the prosperity gospel because i tell you what when you're broke you're broke and it sucks being broke i think i think everybody can agree on that 100% we may not be able to agree politically on hardly anything in in the united states but in terms of knowing what broke is i think we all know that no one wants to be broke that's not what you strive for because let's take a look at the antonyms meaning the opposite of what this word means the opposite of of uh, prosperity is failure hardship non-success indebtedness now i look at it this way i have never met anyone that said when i grow up i want to be a failure or when i grow up i want to have hardships When I grow up, I want to be unsuccessful. When I grow up, I want to have mountains of debt. I've never met anyone that ever said that, whether I was a kid or as a teenager or as an adult. I don't know anyone that that talks like that. Why? Because that's not normal to think that way. That's not what we're called to think or do. God calls us to live prosperously, to have abundance. But it's within his holy will. because if you're just wanting to be prosperous and be successful all on your own and you're not putting God first place then you are not really doing what you're supposed to be doing you're putting the love of money ahead of the love of your heavenly father and that's where it gets evil so avoid that you can still be prosperous and abundant but Let God prosper you. 
instead of turning your wheels or spinning your wheels and chasing your tail, give God a chance to make you prosperous and abundant because one of the great things about being prosperous and having abundance and having wealth is that then you can be a blessing to other people. That's why our heavenly Father wants us to be rich. That's why he wants us to be wealthy. He wants us to do it the right way always. But the reason why he wants us to be blessed and the reason why he wants to bless us is so that we can bless others. We can bless other brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we can help lift each other up. Because if you'll notice in the New Testament and eventually we'll get there because we're going to cover the entire Bible with this series. But if you'll notice in the New Testament when Jesus has his ministry, he was not broke. You know, there are some denominations, I'm not going to say which ones, but there are some denominations within Christianity they make it seem like Jesus was broke all the time and he was a pauper and you know acted like a beggar and was meek and mild. It was just the opposite. Jesus ran a very successful ministry and he had partners in his ministry. If you think about, he had the 12 apostles and then he had like I think 72 or 74 part-time workers in his ministry that he sent out two by two to help spread the gospel. It costs money to do that. It's not free. And he had people in his ministry that donated to him. You know, they 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 had money, they had extra surplus, they had food, they had water, they had wine. They donated this stuff to the ministry of Jesus. You know, and that's that's what we're called to do. Like when we are abundantly blessed, we're supposed to help each other. We're supposed to help spread the gospel all over the world, north, south, east, west. It doesn't matter what direction. Because every generation on the face of this earth has a responsibility to follow Christ, to believe in Christ, and to promote the gospel so that people know the truth so they can be set free so they are no longer enslaved to sin to misery to depression to anxiety to addictions to poverty whatever the case may be i look at it this way i don't accept anything less than god's best because when i accept anything less than god's best it is never going to be the goodness of god it's never going to be what god wanted me to have like god wants what's best for us does god want us to be poor no Does he want us to be unsuccessful? No. Does he want us to be in debt all the time? No. Unfortunately, in the United States, and I'm I know this happens in other countries, but I haven't lived in any other country yet, so I can only speak to how it, how it is in the United States. In the United States, we have a lot of debt in this country. Not only do consumers spend too much on debt, but our federal government spends too much on debt. We have trillions of dollars in national debt. Now, if that's not a problem, I don't know what is. But if you have personal debt, you don't have to tolerate that. Lift it up in prayer. God doesn't want you to be poor. Give God a chance to bring what you need into your life. God is not against money. If he was, he would not have allowed currency to exist on this planet. He knows that in order to purchase bottled water or to purchase eggs or bacon or whatever we need to feed our families, 
We have to have money. Everything costs money. It's not free. Even food stamps are not free. The way that food stamps work is the federal government uses our tax dollars and divides it out to whoever needs help and those are monies that are spent by the individual that's on that welfare program. So the food they're purchasing is not free. The federal government is giving them our money, our tax dollars to help them get through their difficult time. That's why social welfare programs are supposed to be temporary. They're not supposed to be a way of life because if you really want what's best for your neighbor, you would want them to be rich. And this may shock some people, but whenever I meet someone that is down on their luck, you know, not only do I try and help them financially if I can, but the number one thing I do is I pray for them. And I don't pray some puny prayer like, "Oh Lord, if it be your will." First of all, there is no if to Jesus. Let me just say that right now. That whole "if it be your will, do this." Nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in the Bible does God say, "Well, if it be my will, I might heal you." It doesn't say that. In the New Testament, Jesus never says, "Well, if it's my Father's will, you might get healed." You know, if I think about it, I might heal you. No, there is no if. He just does it. Because the word if creates doubt. We may not realize that. Cuz I was once attending a church that believed in basically believed in doubt and the way that they practiced it was they said, "Well, if it be God's will, it will happen for you." Does that sound very faithful? No. Does that sound very certain in the goodness of God? No. It is God's will for us to be happy, healthy and whole and to be provided for. He wants to bless us. So whenever I meet someone, if I can't meet their need, well regardless of whether I can meet their need or not, I always pray for them anyway. But especially if I can't meet their need, I pray big kahuna prayers is what I call them. I pray that they make so much money that they're a millionaire or a billionaire. I don't want them to just have some puny job that you have barely get by job. I want them to be abundantly blessed. I want them to be so taken aback by the goodness of God that they are speechless. Because that's how much God can do for you. That's how much God wants to bless us. He wants to bless us so much that there just aren't any words to describe how awesome God is and how much he's done for us. Those are the kind of prayers that I lift up for anyone and everyone that I meet that is not where they need to be financially. Like the greater the debt, the bigger the prayers I lift up. And I never say if it be your will. I never do that. It bugs me when people say that. I'm just like, "Nope, I'm not praying that prayer. I already know what kind of prayers I pray." Help me, Father. I just met someone that that needs a lot of help. So I pray that either A they win the lottery or B they get an amazing job where they make double or triple what they're making and if they don't have a job, I pray that they get a job making $550,000 a year. You might as well pray big. Don't pray small, pray big. Cuz you know what? Our heavenly Father loves big prayers. He loves it when you take those bold steps of faith, those leaps and bounds and and also that 
that you have the courage to speak such prayers in the face of adversity in the face of poverty in the face of fear in the, in the face of uncertainty on so many levels god loves to hear from us and i think I shouldn't say I think. I know God loves to hear from us and he loves to hear just these huge ginormous just maybe they seem unlistic prayers like completely unrealistic. But guess what? God hears those prayers and he loves people that dream. And he loves people that are dreamers and believers. Because he knows it takes courage to even think so positively and to long for something so good and true in your life. He wants us to dream big, to think big and to believe big. That's what our heavenly Father wants from us. He wants that from us all the days of our life regardless of what happens because he wants to continuously bless us every day of our life and bless us above and beyond what we could ever ask or think so that way we can help other people because that's what we're called to do as a community that's what we're called to do as believers in Christ Jesus that's what we're called to do when it says in the bible oh no man nothing but to love him well when you love somebody and you see that hey they need groceries you know that that mother she may not be able to breastfeed for whatever reason but you can go buy her baby formula for her baby and buy the best kind buy buy the good brand not the cheap stuff but buy the best kind out there and you know if someone is is lacking protein in their life and you know that that they're not able to go out and buy meat because it's expensive buy them a rack of ribs that they can cook for a week buy them bacon or sausage or something like buy them really good cuts of meat cuz that's what that person needs You know, we can help each other if we actually open our eyes to what we're supposed to do and what God has called us to do. Like it's one thing to see people, it's another thing to know what you're supposed to do to help those people. And to help someone doesn't mean you get involved in every in every area of their life. It doesn't mean that you get involved in their private life per se. It means you help them with what they need without expecting anything in return and without getting emotionally involved in every little thing because that doesn't help them. Most people just need help with the basics. They they don't need a therapy session. They need food, water and shelter. They need utilities. They they need rent. They you know, it's just the basics. They need nutrients. because if here's the thing if you get the basics covered for someone then the other stuff just flows naturally to them it doesn't all have to come from you i think one reason why people don't help other people is because they're scared these people are going to become leeches and that is a possibility when you help somebody but the way that you avoid that and maybe people don't talk about this and they should because there's the right way to give and there's the wrong way to give. The right way to give and to help somebody is to help them without any without any strings attached, but those strings can also come from the recipient, from the person that you're going to be helping. 
So you have to have boundaries. And you just make it clear from the beginning that hey, I'll help you with this and then, you know, you go on and live your life kind of thing. Because sometimes I think people they it's like they want to help but then they get sidetracked in all the drama of someone else's life. Well, people don't need help with their drama. Drama happens on its own. So just no going in when when you plan on helping someone that hey, it's just going to be this and this or just this. This is all I can help you with. But if you need help with something else, I have some resources I can give you. I have I have phone numbers, I have I have people I can help contact or I can give you the numbers and you can call them, but this is what I can help you with. And then once you help them, back away. Don't get sucked into someone else's life or their drama because that's not what you're called to do. But if when you help someone with just the basics, then most of that drama goes away. It it res, it revolves its it resolves itself, I should say. Because a lot of that drama comes from extreme stress from basic essentials not being met. But once those basic essentials are met, then the person that you're helping more than likely will it's like they will smile in a way you've never seen. They will have so much happiness. But, you know, at the same time, you just need to be cautious of how you help somebody and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Like don't be doing it because it's a tax write-off. I can't stand that when people that's the only reason why they help. Don't help out of guilt. Guilt is a horrible, horrible thing. Don't ever help out of guilt because that's not real help. It's just guilt. Don't help out of dread. Like, oh, I just want to get this person out of my hair. Well, that's not real help because it's not real help because you didn't really care to do true intentions in that moment i guess you could say but you know here's the thing like when you're walking in the goodness of god and you're focusing on god's word he will guide you and give you that wisdom so you won't fall into that pitfall like if you ask god to help you and guide you then he will give you the wisdom to know when to walk away like you've helped somebody now you you can go on to the next person that that's the whole point of being just abundantly blessed is so that we can help as many as possible without having to use our tax dollars to do it cuz i remember my grandparents saying this they have since passed away but i would ask them about you know before all these federal welfare programs came out how did people get any kind of support like what happened did these people just starve to death and and they said no You know they you know they they told me they said we helped each other. Your neighbor helped you. Your local church helped you even if you didn't go to church there. Like the people of this country helped each other. You know they they didn't rely on the government to help people. They chose to help their neighbor. They chose to help the less fortunate. And my mouth just dropped. I was just like, "What? You mean they they didn't rely on social welfare programs back then like like we do now because it's so commonplace now to have all these social welfare programs and and they just said, "No, we we didn't 
We didn't do that. We just helped people. I mean, that's just what you did. If someone needed a meal, you know, if you had an extra chicken, an extra hen in the refrigerator, you if they if the other person had an oven or a stove, you you gave them your extra chicken to cook for their family. And if they didn't have a stove or an oven that worked or if they didn't have one, you cooked it for them and you walked it across the street to give it to them. That's just how stuff was done back then. And it was just kind of you had more of this fellowship with people as opposed to now where it's there's not as much fellowship i guess you could say so i mean i i guess we look at money differently now than back then but you know it kind of reminds me of when you need to be a doer of the word not just a sayer of the word and that's what it reminded me of when my grandparents were were telling me you know how things were handled way back in the day You know, people back then, even if they weren't necessarily like a die-hard Christian or anything, they were a doer of the word just by the fact that they gave to those in need. They didn't have to have the federal government do it for them. They just went out and did it because that's what we're called to do as Christ followers. And, you know, I learned something completely new with that with my grandparents. I mean, I wish I had asked them more questions before they passed away. But our our difference in our ages was quite a bit. But it's one of those things that you you not only talk the talk, you walk the walk. And most of the time walking the walk is more relevant and more important than than just talking the talk. That's what I learned from my grandparents. And I think it applies here and all throughout God's holy word. because when you stand on God's holy word and you believe in his holy word then you are more likely to do the will of your heavenly father as opposed to turning away and i think that when we do the holy word of god when we believe in the holy word of god we have community and fellowship with god that we have never known before and we have that peace You know, I think a lot of people long for peace. And you know what's interesting is that when you do a good deed, when you're kind to somebody, that's more peace that grows in your heart. And that's something that can't be snatched away. That's why it's such a a good thing to do, to do a good deed. And you know, and not broadcast it necessarily, but it's important that we make those simple acts of kindness because that in effect is part of our abundance it's part of our prosperity in God's word because we're acting on God's word to be good and true to him and we do that by being kind to our neighbor and it may not necessarily be a nice neighbor we've all had some funky neighbors in our lifetimes i'm sure but here's the thing when we're kind to someone that's not kind to us that speaks volumes about our character and our dedication to our faith and it almost always impresses the person that is being mean cuz i personally have gotten apologies from mean people to people like from people that they were mean to me but i was extremely kind to them because whenever someone's not very nice to me i make it a point to be extremely kind and to practice patience because i don't want to do anything to give that person ammo or permission will permission in their mind I should say. I don't want them to think that well that Christian's not very good. Christianity is bad. 
I don't ever want to give someone an excuse to look down on our faith. I want them to see the light of Christ that radiates out of my soul because that's what I believe. You know, we are all called to be Christ-like. We're all called to be vicars of Christ, whether we're we're female or male. When we believe in Jesus Christ and we accept him as our Lord and our savior, we have become the vicar of Christ. And sometimes the only Christ that people may see in their lifetime is the Christ that they see in us. That's why it's so important to believe in God's holy word, to believe that you are worthy of everything that is in this Bible, everything that is in God's holy word so that way you can be a blessing to those that feel cursed and feel lost and feel broken. Cuz I know what it's like to feel that way. And I also know what it's like to be around like-minded people that love Jesus and all they want from you is they just want you to be happy. They want you to know and feel the love of Christ. And I actually prayed for that. I I prayed, Lord, get me to a good church and get me around like-minded people so that we can grow together in fellowship and harmony. And our ultimate goal is to get to heaven. And he granted my request. He helped me find a better church. He helped me find really good people. And I'm so thankful for that. And the friendships that have been growing over this time have been amazing friendships. Like the friends that walked away from me or friendships that I had to end and just say, hey, this isn't working out for me. You know, like people come and go in our lives for sure. But, you know, the friends that I'm no longer friends with, there's a reason why we're no longer friends. And I had to strive for fellowship with Christ before I could get better friends in my life, good kind people in my life. Because if I don't have that fellowship with Christ, it's going to be very difficult to look for the right things in this world. So when I'm Christ-centered, I don't hardly worry about anything. Technically, we're not supposed to worry about anything when we have Christ in our life, but cuz it's a it's a form of fear to worry and we're not supposed to fear, we're supposed to take courage. So when I'm focused on Christ, all this other stuff doesn't bother me. When it does start to bother when it does start to bother me and hinder me, I just think I love Jesus and he loves me. Jesus is my source. My heavenly Father is my source. And you know, I have the Holy Spirit living inside me. What do I need to worry about? Absolutely nothing. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that is such a blessing to have in our life and all the days of our life. I just love it. It brings me such peace and such joy. It makes me happy. Like being happy in Christ is way better than being happy on a vacation. And that says a lot because I mean who doesn't like to get out of town and and you know go to the beach or something or tan. But you know that's just temporary happiness as much as i love traveling that's temporary happiness but my happiness with christ is forever and that stands firm in my heart and i'm so thankful for that i'm so thankful for that but um i will go ahead and end this podcast cuz we're running over a little bit of time a little past 40 minutes but um next time 
Um, I'm guessing we will finish up the rest of Psalm 106. Take a look at it. It is one of my favorite psalms for sure. It's just packed with the goodness of God. And just the way that we're supposed to be living our lives, expecting the goodness of God. Because God expects us to expect the best. So I personally say go for it. Just live your life. Live your life. Be, be super happy. Know that Jesus loves you. Go to Jesus with anything and everything. And know that you are in God's holy family. And he loves you very much. And we are his, his daughters, his sons. We are his children. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a believer in Christ Jesus, that makes us brother and sister in Christ or sister and sister in Christ Jesus. What a joy that is that, that we can come together in fellowship, even through a podcast, and just give thanks to our Heavenly Father, give, give thanks to our Lord, and just grow and bask in that mercy and that grace. that he bestows upon us and just loves us so much. I just think that is such a wonderful thing to have in our life and I I just I can't imagine ever throwing that away. I know there are times in my life I've been distant from God, but I knew better than to throw it away. I knew better to to stay to stay close to God as much as I could even when I felt distant. I didn't I didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater as they say. But once I woke up that hey, I can't be distant from God and expect to have a good life. I have to go to God with everything. And and for me that's not negotiable. Because I've been there when I wasn't really close to God as I should have been, and it was a different kind of suffering, I'll say that. But you know, when you give your life to Christ, there is something unique and new about you. And it it's it's like a new treasure. That's the best way I can describe it. So I pray that if you haven't given your life to Christ that you do give your life to Christ and that you that you grow in his love and kindness for you and realize that you know when you give your life to Christ you are part of one of the most beautiful families on the face of this earth. It's absolutely wonderful. So until next time I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. small